ಆರ್ ಲಿಸನಿಂಗ್ ಟು ದ ಅಗಸ್ತ್ಯ ಆರ್ ಭವಂತಃ ಅಗಸ್ತ್ಯ ಸತ್ರಂ ಶೃಣ್ವಂತಿ ಯು ಆರ್ ಲಿಸನಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಟೇಕಿಂಗ್ ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಆರ್ ಫ್ಯೂಚರ್ ಪರ್ಸ್ಪೆಕ್ಟಿವ್ಸ್ ಆನ್ ಪೇರೆಂಟಿಂಗ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಎಜುಕೇಶನ್ ಅ ಕಾನ್ವರ್ಸೇಷನ್ ವಿತ್ ಪ್ರೊಫೆಸರ್ ವಂಸಿ ಜುಲೂರಿ ಪ್ರೊಫೆಸರ್ ಆಫ್ ಮೀಡಿಯಾ ಸ್ಟಡೀಸ್ ಆಟ್ ದಿ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸಿಟಿ ಆಫ್ ಸ್ಯಾನ್ ಫ್ರಾನ್ಸಿಸ್ಕೋ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಆಥರ್ ಆಫ್ ಸೆವರಲ್ ಬುಕ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ಕ್ಲೂಡಿಂಗ್ ದ ಬೆಸ್ಟ್ ಸೆಲ್ಲಿಂಗ್ ರಿಆರ್ಮಿಂಗ್ ಹಿಂದೂಯಿಸಮ್ one more book i actually also want to mention as a very influential one uh, i read it after i finished my phd and i came to san francisco i was teaching a class on media violence and uh, that's when the whole 911 attacks and all the stuff took place uh, you know i began find a lot of books on gandhi uh, in in the bay area and uh, there was one book in particular gandhi's hind swaraj right which he wrote in gujarati and english you know on the ship uh which was very profoundly enlightening to me because you know for a long time you know when i was doing my phd i was reading all the marxist you know uh academic literature and i was reading baba and upanishads and so these mm-hmm. two things were in my mind you know it was like okay you know i see the reason why a lot of young students uh are influenced or charmed by marxism the promise of making a better world ending poverty mm-hmm. all these things uh, but i have my little skepticism given its track record <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah because i see my guru and people like him who marxists hate and despise and say bad things about yeah. actually doing a lot more for the poor you yeah. know like building waterwork projects free education free healthcare and teaching everybody to live for others you know live, live and serve love all serve all, all that so but the book that connected these two very different um uh, traditions of uh, streams of thought in my mind was hind swaraj yeah because that was gandhi's vision for the modern world you know why we are in the position we are in the world today and uh, you know his his solution for it it's a pity that nehru and nobody else you know never really understood that book or followed it right. and then he has become a figure for all sorts of you know problematic yeah. forces but yeah p- parents baba hind swaraj are some of the books i would name and mo- oh sorry and mo- more recently yeah. the voice of india books yeah yeah no those are fascinating as well uh, i would give a shout out to sri balaji who is the chairman of uh, agastya gurukulam and him and i uh when we you know when uh, the the core group when we were discussing you know what is the idea and vision for agastya gurukulam the first book that he thought was hinswaraj wonderful as one of the vision documents that we should be inspired by and uh you know you are absolutely right hinswaraj is a book that every everybody in the world not just indians or hindus anybody but everybody must read uh to give to get to get an idea of what it means to be sovereign in your culture in yourself and in your society and how do you build it without being and you know without being colonized mentally or physically by anybody so Absolutely. big shout out to shri balaji uh, you know you 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 nailed it as bomb cg just said uh so okay so moving on uh, we now today you you study uh maybe a somewhat unpopular research topic in the academia you're a professor of uh, media studies but your particular interest is hindu phobia and hindu studies and i want to explore that a little bit because uh, 
you know, the current academic establishment, both in the United States uh, and and in India, is is very much, you know, the leftist South Asian type, which essentially sees Hinduism as a problem. Um, you have picked, therefore, to fight against the academic orthodoxy by choosing the research topic and publishing your original insights they are contrary to you know the the establishment narrative so to speak or the orthodoxy talk to me about what it means to you personally because making these kind of career choices is not easy and uh, so what does it cost you in personal terms in career terms to speak out and stand up for the truth and uh, what you believe in so um I was going to speak about that, but then, you know, I got so excited that there's so many parents who are interested in topics of parenting and homeschooling and uh, decolonization from a Hindu perspective, not just Hindu survival, but, you know, a, a better world imagined by Hindu children, our children, you know. So in a sense, I think my attention has shifted more to the reward of speaking out the reward of being a dissenter, a protester against academic, hidebound orthodoxy, as it were. Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to note that really it's, it's, it's the reward we should be focusing about in the sense that um, I think the world that could emerge if, if we had, um, you know, the first generation of really decolonized children, you know, uh, because we are like the second generation of you know, probably post-colonial children, right? I mean, I look at a lot of things generationally. Um, so the next generation, what it could achieve, that's a great reward. But in terms of, you know, the challenges you would face doing this, I can tell you a little bit about some of the challenges I have faced. Uh, you know, I think in a way, my limited and slow learning curve, as it were, um, kept me going for a very long time before the kind of um, crush or challenges began to really pile up. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I started writing about Hindu phobia in the media because I saw it very much from within the logic of my field. Okay. Uh, because in the 90s, early 2000s, you know, I had not read Voice of India. I was not really aware that there was already a literature you know, of Hindu resistance, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was in academia and in media studies, we are trained to spot bias, propaganda, stereotypes. And there's a lot of books written on st stereotypes affecting different communities. Mm -hmm. Books on, on racism, sexism, Islamophobia, you know, anti-Semitism. And, uh, you know, I was teaching all these things in my classes. And I don't know why for a long time it didn't occur to me uh, why there was no book or there were no studies of, you know, our depictions, you know. And then early 2000s when I began to notice this, uh, and I slowly started writing about it. I think the uh, 2008 terrorist attacks on Bombay and on Mumbai and how the Western press sort of whitewashed it. Uh, that got all my propaganda detection radars, you know, buzzing. <laughs> Um, so I wrote and I really pushed and the Huffington Post gave me a column at that time. And, 
I have to think it was, you know, a gift from God Saraswati because I got a platform when I needed it. And after that, I began to write fairly regularly there about, um, you know, Hindu-phobia and things. But around 2016, 2015, I would say, is when a backlash really came. And uh, it's, it's interesting how it happened. So for me, from the time I started writing about Hindu issues and calling out Hindu-phobia in academia, particularly in the California textbook issues and so on, Till about 2015, I always viewed myself as, you know, an academic dissenting with academia or trying to broaden the conversation. I didn't even see it as a dissent at first. I thought, you know, people will listen to me and, you know, <laughs> it'll all grow and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but then I, what happened was um, it started to change around 2015-16 and a lot of it had to do with the politics in India. Right. And, uh, and uh, both the forces which were hostile to the present government and I would say the uh, certain, you know, behavioral or uh, perceptual failures uh, in the form of the present government too. Because I honestly did not know anything about the BJP or Hindu nationalism or RSS, frankly, till about 2015 or so. Right. And when I first read Conrad Elst around that time, I suddenly realized these guys were not fascists. You know, they were like Boy Scouts or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, for a while, I was like hopeful, you know, that there would be a force for decolonization. Uh, but then I think what has happened is within a year or two, that whole uh, possibility that democracy had given for decolonization collapsed. So right. starting around 2015, 16, there has been a huge, huge amount of uh, uh, censorship, outright censorship. So, for example, Huffington Post uh, shut down, like, virtually all the guest columns, you know, they had given. You know, mm -hmm. uh, newspapers in India, which used to, you know, reach out to me and ask me to write for them, they don't want to publish anymore, you know. So, um, I think there is, like, a major amount of polarization going on. And a, lot, a lot of it has to do with uh, you know, both the hostility of the dominant establishment and the ineptitude of this sort of, you know, chota establishment, which they're trying to build in India, I guess. Right. Uh, but, but once again, I'll conclude and say, on this question, I'll conclude and say, you know, it, it's, it's, there is a lot of, you know, uh, emotional and uh, uh, professional risks uh, you take. I mean, one quick example that now comes to mind during the textbook issue, uh, in a very big newspaper like the LA Times did a you know hit job on me. Mm. You know, I had written a petition which had gotten twenty five thousand signatures and it was make, making waves and you know it was about you know not changing India's name to South Asia and all these things. Uh, but then the LA Times comes in and uh, so there were times when you know it was uh, emotionally very very taxing you know. Um, yeah. But anyway, I guess what keeps me going is is thinking of. A better future you know well you know what they say if if they're not attacking you that means you're not succeeding <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, great great uh, thank you great answer announcing the agastya quiz contest test your knowledge of everything about bharata bharatiya history geography culture arts traditional knowledge systems itihasas and puranas as teams of school children battle it out for the championship Win special audience prizes. Alternate Saturdays 
at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Radio Naira. Participation is open to school children from all educational, cultural, and other organizations that promote Bharatiya Parampara. Are you interested in having a team from your organization participate, or interested in sponsoring prizes? Contact us at info at radio naira dot com.